Hey campers, short on time but still in need of a scare, then I have the podcast for you. Brought to you by the creators of Camp Fear comes P.T. Logan's Five Minutes of Terror. Each episode features a new original tale, ranging from the terrifying to the absurd. And every single one of them will make the hair on the back of your neck stand on end. So get your scare on and search for P.T. Logan's Five Minutes of Terror on your favorite podcast app. The best part? There's a new episode every single weekday. Get ready to be terrified. P.T. Logan's Five Minutes of Terror. Twisted, troubling tales to send a chill up your spine. Available now. Camp Fear, the podcast, is a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Hello, campers. Welcome to Camp Fear, where you bring your fears and leave in tears. Now, come closer. No, closer still. Yeah, stay warm here by the fire. I want to tell you a story. You like stories, don't you? I love stories. And do you know what makes the best kinds of stories? The ones that are true. And I only tell true stories. So listen up, because today, I'm going to tell you a story about Camp Fear. Welcome back, campers. Sorry to keep you waiting, but sometimes all a good story needs to become a great one is a little added suspense. Wouldn't you agree? No? Well, it's my story time by the fire, so I make the rules. When we left off, our friend Penny received a cryptic message on a cell phone with no signal. And it's a good thing she did, because without it, she would have been struck by lightning. But now that Penny has cheated death, he wants her. He wants what should have been his, and what death wants, death gets. Squeeze in tight, campers, and hold on to your hats, because here comes the epic conclusion to No Signal. Part 4. Marked for Death I don't know how you knew about the lightning, Penny, but you weren't supposed to survive. Now you owe me a life. I whip around, eyes wide, blood as cold as ice, expecting to see a hooded figure holding a shining blade. But I don't. All I see is darkness. Penny? I scream as a hand comes down on my shoulder. Penny, what happened? It takes me three long breaths to realize that the person speaking to me isn't death, but Tyler. You seem spooked. Maybe you should come sit down. My chest is tight, my heart racing. At any moment, I expect death will appear and grab me. But he doesn't, at least not yet. As Tyler leads me back through the woods, I think about what just happened. First, the phone saved me. I have no idea how or why, but the message told me exactly when the lightning was going to strike my tent. A random phone in a random garbage dump with a message specifically for me allowed me to avoid death. And death isn't happy. I don't know much about him, but I get the impression that when he wants someone, he gets someone. And the person who death wants now is me. 
Tyler and I pass the outhouse and then arrive at the fire, which has since been reignited. I immediately notice that we're not alone. All of the other campers are here, and they're all staring at me. Embarrassed, I tuck my chin to my chest. Everyone, everyone, please go back to your tents. Several of the campers look frightened, their eyes darting to my ruined tent, smoldering on the ground. I know tonight has been strange. Strange? Now that's an understatement. But I assure you, the clouds are gone, the skies are clear, and there will be no more lightning strikes tonight. When some of the campers still dragged their feet, Tyler added, We can discuss this further in the morning, but please, you need your rest. This does the trick, and the remaining stragglers made their way to their tents. I do not, however, seeing as I don't have one. Come, sit by the fire. I do as Tyler asks. I'm shivering after all. He places a thick blanket over my shoulders before sitting across from me. For a few seconds, I just watch the dancing flames. Every once in a while, they part and I clearly see Tyler's face. He's not smiling, but he's not frowning either. He seems almost completely still, lifeless maybe. And then he speaks and the spell is broken. What happened, Penny? I swallow hard. I, I heard something. When I was in the woods, someone or something spoke to me. I don't know how you knew about the lightning, Penny, but you weren't supposed to survive. Now you owe me a life. Tyler's eyebrows lower, and I realize that he's younger than I first thought. The woods are dark, and sometimes- I cut him off by shaking my head. No, I heard something. What did you hear? I heard death, and he wants me to pay up. I don't know why I say this. It doesn't even sound like me, but the word just came out of my mouth, and they're childish and silly. Waiting for Tyler to laugh at me, I go back to staring at the fire. When he doesn't break into giggles, doesn't say anything at all, I glance up. A strong wind suddenly blows the fire, and I see the man's face. Tyler is as serious as I've ever seen him. It's clear that he doesn't think my words are foolish. The lightning. You knew it was going to strike your tent, didn't you? I can't lie to Tyler, so I nod. I just... I just want to go home. I'm whining, but the truth is, I never wanted to be here in the first place. Can't fear. I always thought the name was silly, but now, sitting by the fire and trembling all over, I realize that it's anything but that. It truly is a frightening place and I'm fighting the urge not to cry. You can't leave. My eyes bulge. What? Why not? I'm sure if you call my... Tyler shakes his head and rises to his feet. Because, Penny, you can't cheat death. If death marked your soul, then you can never run. No matter where you go, how far or how fast you travel, he'll find you. Part 5. On the Run Then what can I do? I try not to sound desperate, but it's impossible not to. I'm terrified. Tyler, if I can't run, what do I do? The man pauses and I listen to the crackling fire. 
Can I do anything? Tyler nods. It's a slow nod, an uncertain one. There is something that you can do. I don't like the way he stresses the word you. How can I take on death alone? If I had my phone with the internet, I could maybe do something. But without it, what could I possibly do? What? Tell me, please. Tell me what to do. Penny, I want to tell you a story. You like stories, don't- No, no more stories. Just tell me what to do. Online, there is no shortage of people who will tell you exactly how to think, feel, and what to do. In fact, I'm convinced that's what the internet is all about. Penny, stories are important. They're not just entertainment, but they teach us things, like lessons and morals. They can also help us learn from others' failures, as well as their successes. I'm not really sure what Tyler is going on about, but I'm too frightened to do anything but listen. Stories are powerful, and from them, we can learn things about life. And sometimes, sometimes, we can also learn about death. I shudder at the mention of the word death. Fine, fine, tell me. Tell me a story that can help me defeat death. Tyler takes a deep breath and leans forward. His eyes reflect the flames, making them look like they're actually glowing. One story? No, Penny, not one story, but many. You need to pay close attention, because all of these stories are important, and they will help you. I will. I'll listen. Tyler nods and then proceeds to tell me nine stories. Each one is a little different, but they all have something in common. A young girl about my age is confronted with a big problem, a problem that seems much too large for her to deal with alone. But by using creativity, brains, and intuition, they almost always find a solution. Tyler tells me a story about a girl who finds a necklace, only it isn't hers to keep. He tells me about a girl who always wanted a pet, but her dad won't let her have one, so she finds her own. There's a story about a girl who meets a twin she never knew she had, another about a mysterious book at the museum. One describes a girl who is so desperate to be adopted that she goes into the middle of the woods and stands there, waiting for her new parents. Another still about a young girl who uses a walkie-talkie to speak to her father, only he isn't around anymore. As the hours go by and I continue to listen to Tyler's fascinating and occasionally terrifying tales, I realize that they sound familiar, like I've heard or seen them before, not from the internet or from a chat group, but in real life. But where? And does it matter? Eventually, Tyler's voice starts getting hoarse, and he says, I think, I think that's enough stories for today. I'm tired. What? That's it? A bunch of stories about pets and necklaces and- They're more than that. They're powerful and- If I had the internet, I might be able to look something up. Or I could ask- You don't need the internet, Penny. All you need are these stories. And this. Tyler brings his finger up and points at his temple. I don't understand. Tell me what to do. Tyler, tell me- I can't tell you how to defeat death, Penny. But you know how. What? I don't- The fire suddenly burns hot, and I have to shield my face from the heat. I lose sight of Tyler, and when I pull my arm away, 
I realize that not only has the fire gone out, but Tyler is nowhere to be seen. I leap to my feet and glance all around. Tyler? Tyler? He's not here. Desperate, I pull the mysterious phone from my pocket. It turns on, but there are no new messages. Not that I would even consider reading them based on what happened last time. But what's worse is that there's still no signal. I tried to call my mom anyway, but it doesn't ring. Same with the police, and with every other number I try to call. I turn my face to the stars and growl in frustration. And then I hear it. It's a voice, but it isn't Tyler returning to tell me another story. It's death coming to collect. You can't run, Penny. You can't. But that's exactly what I do. I run. I run as far and as fast as I can, even though I know that not even the fastest person in the whole world can outrun their fate. Hey campers, it's P.T. Logan, the writer and creator of Camp Fear. And I'm here with... Abby Logan, the soothing voice you hear. Each Camp Fear episode takes between 20 and 30 hours to make, from writing, to recording, to mastering. If you're enjoying this story and want to continue hearing more stories, please consider supporting the show. You can do this by heading to www.patreon.com slash campfearpodcast. With your parents' permission, of course. By supporting the show, you not only ensure that we'll continue to make more episodes, but you'll also get special perks. Like ad-free episodes, so you don't have to hear my dad's voice again. One more time, that's www.patreon.com slash campfearpodcast. See you there, campers! Part 6 All you need is stories. My body is soaked with sweat and my lungs are screaming for air. But still, I keep running. I don't even know where I'm going. Logic would suggest that I run into one of the other tents with the sleeping girls. Power and numbers and all that. But when you're scared, when you're truly terrified, logic goes out the window. I just run. But while fear can give you energy, It's not an unlimited supply. There comes a point where I simply can't run anymore. My body won't allow it. It doesn't help, I suppose, that this is the most exercise I've gotten in a long time. At home, I spend my days in front of my computer, phone, or tablet. I stop at the top of the small hill and place my hands on my knees, trying to catch my breath. After a few seconds of only being able to hear my breathing and my heart pumping away in my ears, I listen. I don't hear death. I look around, and I don't see him either. What I do notice is that it doesn't appear as if I just ran randomly away from the campsite. Even though I didn't know it at the time, I must have somewhere, deep down, came here on purpose. It was a garbage dump the place where I discovered the cell phone and was unable to resist picking it up. The place where this all started. A second after this realization comes another. I remember why the stories that Tyler told me sounded so familiar. It's because I've seen some of the objects described in the stories here. Moving slowly, 
I walk down the side of the hill, and with every step, more items come into view. And a smile, something I haven't felt in a long time, begins to form on my lips. I see a mirror, a book, and a necklace. Other items, too. My smile grows, and as I come up with a plan to trick death, I remember what Tyler said. All you need are these stories. Penny! Penny! I'm coming for you! Penny! I shudder, but resist the urge to run again. Penny! I see death in his long black cloak moving down the side of the hill in the direction I had come from. He doesn't appear to be walking, but almost sliding, hovering a few inches above the ground. I can't see what's under the hood, but I can see the giant hooked blade glinting in the moonlight. And that's when he notices me. I'm standing right there, right in front of death, as he makes it to the bottom of the hill. I'm glad you stopped running, Penny, because you can't outrun me. No one can. I move my hand to my neck and cover the necklace with the green stone that I found on the ground, drawing attention to it. Then I lower my arm. I'm not scared. Death pulls back his black hood to reveal a bleached skull. Okay, I lied. I'm scared, but I don't show it. You will be. And you will give me what is mine. <laughs> and by that, he means me, of course. It takes every ounce of willpower I have not to move. Even when death gets close and he stretches out his bony fingers to reach for me, I stand with my feet firmly planted on the ground. Annie. Then death reaches out and grabs me. Only, when his hand reaches my throat, It doesn't touch skin, because I'm not there. What the? You see, I remembered the story about twins that Tyler told me, and it gave me an idea. An idea that even though something looks like me, it doesn't necessarily make it real. So instead of grabbing me, death only touches a mirror. And the necklace that I hung from it, and made it look like it really was around my neck. Death squeezes the necklace in a hand that's made only of bones, and I see the green stone swirl. This is quickly followed by a strange voice. Not mine, nor Death's, this time. Finders keepers. Necklace still in hand, Death whips around to look at the real me. I grab the leathery book at my feet and pick it up. I know what I have to do. I have to read from it. I have to read from the dog-eared page. But there's not enough time. Then, in addition to the strange voice, I hear a buzzing sound. Death is sliding towards me, but the buzzing gets louder. It sounds like a mosquito. No, it can't be one mosquito. It's so loud that it must be thousands. But it is just one. The sound belongs to the biggest mosquito I've ever seen. It's the size of a large dog, maybe even bigger. It swoops down and lands on Death's shoulder. He tries to bat it away, but it's too strong, its wings too powerful. 
the ground at Death's feet suddenly starts to crumble, and I see a hand poke out of the dirt. Finders keepers. The hand grabs Death's ankle as he continues to try and fight off the giant mosquito. It's a crazy sight, but I can't watch anymore. I have to read. I flip the book open and read the strange words, yelling them loudly to make sure my voice can be heard over the rest of the noise. When I'm done, the woods are no longer dark. There's a bright orange and purple glow coming from the mirror. I glance over Death's shoulder, who is struggling to move with the beast from the ground and the mosquito from the sky tugging him in opposite directions. Give me back my necklace! My image is no longer reflected in the mirror. Instead, I see a mummy, an ancient mummy with glowing orange bandages and purple eyes. The mirror ripples, and somehow the mummy steps through the glass. It's whispering something in a language I don't understand, but it's not interested in me. It wants death. Something touches my shoulder and I drop the book. It's a girl covered in mud. Here, she says, and then starts rubbing mud all over my arms and face. It takes me a few seconds to remember another one of Tyler's stories, the one about the girl who wanted to be adopted, but who avoided being seen by covering herself in dirt and grime. Now get down, hide in the mud with us. I drop to the ground and, hidden from death's glare, watch the scene unfold before me. Benny? Benny? The mummy grabs death from behind and starts yanking him backwards. For a second, it looks like he might break free, but then death yells out a horrible sound and he's pulled three different ways at once. Up, back, and down. There's a sound like breaking glass as death's bones are torn apart. He falls, splashing a huge amount of mud in the air. There's so much of it that I'm blinded. When it finally clears, the mummy is gone, as is the mosquito and the beast from the earth. The mirror is back to normal too. Even the girl who saved me, the one who coated me in mud so that I couldn't be seen or smelled, had vanished. All that remained was me and the echoes of the creatures who had saved me from death. The camp is quiet when I return. The sun is just starting to rise, and I guess that the other campers must be off somewhere. Maybe getting ready for breakfast, or maybe on another scavenger hunt. The fire has been lit again, but the flames are low. I walk up to it and warm my hands. That's when Tyler appears behind me. I told you stories were powerful. I just stare at him, and then I pull the cell phone out of my pocket. I expect Tyler to be mad, but he isn't. He doesn't seem surprised either. Where did the phone come from? And the text? It was from you, wasn't it, Tyler? You sent the text. He smiles, but says nothing. I toss the phone into the fire. Who are you? 
I ask as we both watch it burn and then melt. And why is this place called Camp Fear? Those are stories for another day, Penny. Another time, another place. Mom! I rush to my mother and give her a huge hug. She's taken aback by this and nearly falls over. Nice to see you too, Penny. How was your week? I had the most amazing time. Simply the best. We say goodbye to Tyler, tell him that we'll see him again next year, and then I hug each of my new friends. I'm sad to leave, but I'm also excited to tell my mom all about the week of outdoor activities, scavenger hunts, cookouts, and games. We both hurry back to get into the car, but before I can tell her anything, she had me something from the front seat. A promise is a promise, sweetie. At first, I don't know what it is, then I see that it's a phone still in the box. Mom, I don't, I don't think I want the phone. I try to hand it back, but she makes a face and doesn't accept it. Seriously, I'm okay without it. Well, okay. When my mom grabs the phone, the box starts to vibrate. That's strange, it's not activated. My mom removes the lid from the box and looks at the phone. That's so weird. My throat is so dry that I can barely speak. What? Mom, what is it? The phone already has a message, and... and it's for you. I shiver. But that can't be. It doesn't even have a number yet. My mom turns and shows me the phone. Not only does it not have a number, but there's no signal either. And yet, there's indeed a message for me. With trembling lips, I read it out loud. Penny, don't be on Highway 6 at 4.49 p.m. All you need is stories. They are a gateway to other worlds. Worlds near and far, imagined and real. They teach us lessons, make us laugh, send a shiver up our spines. But most of all, they make us think and dream. I'm sure I've said this before, but I love stories. And hope your time with me by the fire has made you love them nearly as much as I do. So it is with great sadness that I inform you, campers, that this concludes the first season of Camp Fear. I hope you've enjoyed your stay, because I've certainly enjoyed your company. But this isn't the end. The beauty of reading the last page of a good book is that you can always go back and start from the beginning again, or find another great story to read or listen to. In the fall, we'll be returning with season two of Camp Fear. So stay tuned, campers. Wait, there's one more thing, isn't there? Ah, my name. What is my name, campers? I wish I had more time to tell you that story, but alas, this season has already come to an end. But maybe, just maybe, I'll surprise you with one final tale soon. One story that will make everything about me and Camp Fear crystal clear. Camp Fear, 
where you bring your fears and leave in tears. Camp Fear, the podcast, is a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Story and audio editing by Patrick Logan. Vocals by Abby Logan. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. Campers, you can also email host at campfearpodcast.com and share your worst fear. You never know, one day you might be featured in your very own Camp Fear story. You can also visit our website, www.campfearpodcast.com to get your own Camp Fear merchandise and to grab the Camp Fear books. Copyright Patrick Logan, 2021. All rights reserved. Uh.